raising capital is something that can be applied to almost any business in any industry. It's all about basically building trust, building a relationship with a prospective investor, communicating the opportunity on how they're going to make money with you. Mike check. Good. Mike check. Mike check. You can read about success all day long, but if you don't put in the work, the mindset, execution, and the hustle behind your vision, it just remains a dream. When everything goes wrong, you have to take all the responsibility. We uncover what high-level entrepreneurs, business owners do to rise up from hustling daily. So do what you feel passionate about. Take chances. The world becomes your library to help you to become better at your craft. Join me as I share with you actionable tips to help you grow your business, learn skills, and help you level up in your self-development journey. Your number one spot for business and personal growth is the Online Hustlers Podcast with your host, Esteban Andrade. Every day I'm hustling. Hey, what's going on, everyone that is listening to this Online Hustlers podcast, where we become smart hustlers after hustling so much in your business. We bring in REI marketing and conversion episodes. So in these episodes, as you'll know, we bring in players that will give you a few key points, a few nuggets, tips, tricks, hacks, secrets about specific things that you can take tonight, you can take tomorrow and apply them and you will be able to absolutely either uh, add a couple zeros in your business, uh, do this to level up, or just sh shift the business that in ways that you have, haven't been able to do it before. And this free source on the podcast today, I have the, the actual topic of how you can leverage the, the money of other people. And if you are listening to this and you um, want to start buying homes, uh, do flips, Uh, you're a wholesaler and want to get into the actual investing game. Um, you've been doing this, this cash cow of the business and you want to get into the actual investing. Or if you're a multifamily investor that is looking to raise better capital, capital being able to raise, have better ways to raise capital and ultimately never have to worry about where the money is going to come from for your next project, this guest is exciting to me because I was able to meet him in the uh, Real Estate Entrepreneurs event in Houston, Texas. He has a great brand. He is an author of a few books that focuses on a few different elements that will make your business successful in the real estate investing wholesaling game. He is an author where he's been able to write about raising capital. He's a sales coach as well. He is a great entrepreneur, and today we have him exclusive to you in this podcast, and we're going to teach you how to become an expert. And there's a few steps on how to do uh, this, raising capital, either, either for beginners or for actual people that have experience, a few nuggets that we're going to be able to get from Brad today. So uh, for, uh, for everyone that has been waiting for this, Let's get Brad here today in the podcast. How is everything going, Brad? I'm doing great. It's great to be here, Esteban. Great to add value and uh, be part of your network. Thanks, Brad. So obviously, um, you, you've been in a few events that we already been uh, together and has been speaking, also sponsoring. You have created a great brand around raising capital. But uh, for the people that don't know you just yet, and I want I want to make sure that they understand 
uh, who is Brad, why they should listen to Brad, why like why are you the an expert and created this capital school mm -hmm. where you teach and you help individuals raise capital for their real estate projects or whatever projects they have, whether that's single family, multifamily, or just explain to me a little bit more of that. Um, a lot of online hustlers uh, uh, episodes, they we go and cover marketing, we cover conversion, we cover disposition, we cover operations, hiring teams. But today, this is an essential part of this because if you focus on this skill set, you can make a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. And you can leverage money to make millions and millions of dollars. So I'd love to learn more about you, Brad. Can you can you tell us more? Sure. You know, the reason I do what I do, Esteban, is it's my belief that everybody in the world has a desire to do something bigger in life, right? We all want to make more money. We want more abundance. Uh, we want to invest in real estate. Maybe we want to start a business. Could be something real simple, like just starting a restaurant. And when I speak to people and I ask them, like, what's holding you back from living that bigger dream? It's not necessarily the fear or the limiting belief, but 90% of the time, the answer is I just don't have the money to even get started. You know, I, if I had the money, I'd open my restaurant or I'd be investing in real estate. And what people fail to understand is all the money you need is around you every day. They're called investors. And so over the course of my career that literally started, you know, many years ago when I was the founder and CEO of a small oil company that I built in the early mid 1980s, I've been doing one thing, and that is attracting and raising capital. I did it when I was in the oil business after collapsing the business due to the changing tax laws and just the uh, collapsing energy prices. I entered an industry where I largely assisted business owners to raise money. And I'm talking hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, you know, over the course of my career, I've raised almost $2 billion. And I've sourced and raised capital from literally about every imaginable place, you know, high net worth investors, family offices, institutional investors, uh, sovereign wealth funds. I've raised 50 million from a fund in Israel. So I have this tremendous demonstrated capacity today to teach other people how to attract capital, how to use other people's money. Because in the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, by Robert Kiyosaki, he says, look, you know, the key to understanding how to create legacy wealth is not to struggle and do it all by yourself. It's to use OPM, other people's money. And uh, I believe it's a much better vehicle than going and borrowing money from a bank. And so, uh, you know, once you learn how to attract and raise capital from investors, you're able to accelerate your business. You're able to do things much faster and go much further than you would if you were able to do it alone. That's that's largely why we do what we do every day is show up and basically uh, get people to you know understand that principle and teach them how to do it. Yeah, and I think ultimately, like a lot of people, they take pride in like, oh, I'm hustling too hard. I work way too hard. I outwork you, but in reality, like you're praising the wrong thing. Like mm -hmm. I, I believe that one of the biggest things that you could do is leverage. Right. If you have leverage um, on people, on people's time, on people's skill sets, work, and now people's money, then that's a much different, better version of like, I am proud. I'm an, an online leverager. I am a, I'm a leverager. I'm, I know how to make sure that based on the relationships that I have, I can move mountains. Right. And that's exactly uh, what we see and what I see today. So, Brad. Um, 
you said you started in the oil company, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, are they the same principles on like raising capital with real estate? Did something change? What, what were you doing before that when you started with this that kind of made it work? So that's a great question. Um, raising capital is something that can be applied to almost any business in any industry. It's all about basically building trust, building a relationship with a prospective investor, communicating the opportunity on how they're going to make money with you. I mean, I've seen people raise money for crazy things, you know, uh, ostrich farms back in the late 80s, uh, catfish farms, of course, real estate, oil and gas. But it comes down to a couple of key principles um, and some understanding of some key concepts. Number one, you need to know people just aren't going to invest with you until they trust you. I mean, that's a given. You know, we unfortunately live in a very distrustful world today. We have Bernie Madoff. We've had uh, major financial institutions like Enron and WorldCom completely collapse. So we live in a society today where there's just a natural underlying issue of I don't trust you. So the first thing you have to do is understand, like, how do I build trust with another person so that they're comfortable moving forward with me to that next step, which is ultimately to write a check? And believe it or not, one of the things that we talk about extensively in our mentoring is something called the trust sequence. There's actually six steps that one can follow to build trust in another person. It all starts with, number one, perception. They're going to check you out. So what does your social media profile say about you when people go and they looked at your LinkedIn or they looked at your Facebook or they look at your website? So really, the very first thing somebody should do is do what I call a social audit. See how you look on social media. Then you get to the second step, and we call that temptation. You are going to ask that person a bunch of questions because psychologically, you build trust and you develop a relationship by getting people to talk about themselves. That's how people naturally just open up. And so, you know, we have in our mentorship a list of questions that that person trying to raise capital can ask of somebody else just to get to know them better. What would be one of the few questions that you would ask? Oh, geez, there's tons of them. Like, for example, Esteban, when you invest, are you looking for income? Are you looking for growth? Or do you want both of them? You know, how important are tax benefits to you when you invest? Uh, you know, are you looking to do something special with this money that you're setting aside, like put a kid through college or maybe invest to let it grow so you can do something special like buy a vacation home? What's your time horizon? Are you a more long-term investor, shorter-term investor? Have you ever invested in something like this before? There's all these questions that by getting that person to really open up and share with you what you're uncovering is you're hopefully uncovering that one or two things that will ultimately get them to invest. If they say, yeah, tax benefits are real important to me, then great. You focus on the tax benefits that real estate offers, talking about depreciation, maybe talking about accelerated depreciation if you're using that for commercial type real estate. So that temptation part is the second step. And then you get to number three, and we call that the valid, I mean, so we call that connection. You will get a sense as you're talking to someone that there is a connection taking place. Maybe they start following you on LinkedIn. Maybe you see that they've made a friend request with you on Facebook or anytime you post, you know, you're getting a thumbs up or they're commenting. So you're getting that emotional sense that, hey, I'm connecting with this personnel. 
at an emotional level. They're they're answering your emails. They're responding to your phone calls. Well, that's a good thing if you're trying to build trust and develop a relationship knowing, number one, that people invest with their heart, and then they logically justify the investment with their mind. And then you get to really what I consider to be the most important part of this whole process. We call it validation. You see, when you're raising money, you're largely wasting your time talking to people until you can validate that they trust you enough to move forward in that process with you. Because what happens with a lot of people that have never raised capital or that are doing it on their own is they pitch the investment too prematurely in that process with that investor. You need the money. You know the guy's worth a ton of money. And so you have a conversation, maybe two, and then you pitch. Well, Mm -hmm. when it comes time to close and to get that person to invest, they're going to be very noncommittal. They're going to be very evasive. They're going to give you every reason I've ever heard as to why they can't invest with you. And it's not that it's a bad deal or that you're a bad person. They just don't trust you. So the question becomes, how do you get somebody to validate they trust you? And we use something called the validation phrase. And the way it works psychologically is all through the first and second meeting or call, you tell that person, Esteban, right now, man, I just don't have something I can discuss with you from an investment perspective. And the reason is I like to give all my existing investors the first right of refusal on most of my new projects and everything I do. And so they hear that over and over again. And what that does is it gives them the reassurance that you're not just going after their checkbook. So at the end of my second call with someone after I've probed and I've asked questions and I've really trying to deepen that relationship, I ask what I call the validation phrase. I say, Esteban, man, like I told you all along, buddy, right now, I just don't have anything that I can really discuss with you from an investment perspective because I always like to give my existing investors the right of first refusal. But here's what I do. I keep a list of people that have expressed interest on my desk next to me. And in the event on a future deal or maybe on a program I'm trying to fill up, if I have a small opening or an allocation, should I reach back out to you? Would you like me to add your name to that list? When they say yes, what they don't realize is subconsciously they're saying, yes, I trust you enough. Put me on that list and call me when there's an investment worthy of discussing with you. And so on that next call, all you have to do is just reach back out to that person and say, hey, if you remember the last time we chatted, you asked me to add you to my list. And what I'm doing today is I'm going down my list of people because I have just a small amount remaining on this deal that I'm trying to close out. And if you've got a couple minutes, man, I'd love to share it with you. Is now a good time? Yes. And then you pitch. And then at the end of that call, you can say, would you like me to send the information on this deal to you? Yeah, please do. You see, now you've teed yourself up for success because that person has physically asked you to call them when there's an investment worthy of discussion. Until you get that and you validate that, you're largely just spinning your wheels. Now, will you get someone to invest? Maybe. But you're dramatically increasing your odds when you validate this trust before you move forward in that process with them. That's how I've closed literally tens of millions of dollars from investors. And that's how I'm able to convert more people because I've teed myself up for success using that process. We call it the four-step blueprint. Four-step 
Okay. Uh, yeah. You're you're essentially a closer. You're just um, you just have it's a more it's less transactional. It's more relational and and being able to have no not the one cold close, two cold close. No. It has an actual framework that it maybe it's longer term process. It's it's like think about like for example technical sales engineers that they have to sell like hundreds of thousands of dollars on like equipment to other companies they they're going visit the site they're going to evaluate the situation give a quote see if this makes sense or not it's a more longer term process mm -hmm. absolutely that 100%. you okay, bet so okay i thought it was six you, i thought you said six steps to build trust or six steps to build trust correct and so after you basically ask the validation phrase which is step number 4 you get to the next step, number five, which we call attachment. That's where they physically write a check for you. They're now attached. They're an investor. And then you get to the very last and final step. We call that affiliation. That's once they're invested with you, you prove your abilities, you establish more trust. Now, hopefully, that person is opening up their network. They're connecting you with people they know as a referral. Hey, Esteban, I need to introduce you to my buddy, Brian. I golf with him every day. Dude just sold his business. And he's looking for some good places to put some of his capital. You see, now they start connecting you with people they know, and that referral can potentially become an investor. So what I explain to people is the longer you raise money, the easier it's going to get for you. Because right. you're doing a couple things. You're expanding your network. You're hopefully getting referrals to new investors, potentially from the people that you've already closed. But the process of getting them to invest is four steps. Number one, just an introductory call or an introductory meeting. Maybe you met somebody at an investment club. Maybe you're just code calling off a list of high net worth investors that you bought. Doesn't really matter. It's just that initial reach out. And that is what I call step number one. It's an introductory call. You're not selling. You're just trying to get to know that person. And then you need to have some type of structure or system in your business because you need to remind yourself to follow up with that person about a week later. If you're not doing that, then that conversation or that meeting just falls right through the cracks. And a lot of people don't have a system or structure in their business. And so they're out there talking to a lot of people that have money, but there's no follow up. There's no back end. So think of it this way. Introductory call. You put notes into a CRM, had a great meeting with Esteban. Dude's loaded. He's worth lots of money. The second call I'm now just checking in. Hey, man, I just want to make sure you got that introductory information I sent to you on our company, kind of what we do. Wonderful. Do you have any questions? Nope. Like I told you right now, I don't have anything I can discuss with you from an investment perspective because we're still following up with our existing investors. And then I just ask more questions. I try to just deepen that relationship. And then when I ask the validation phrase, if he says yes, boom, now there's a third call. That's the pitch. That's from calling him on a deal. That's from talking about my fund. And then I send him everything to take a look at. And then hopefully on that fourth call, guess what I'm doing? I'm closing. Hey, mm -hmm. how much of this deal would you like to take? And once they say, yeah, you know, it looks great. I, I trust you. Then I just go straight to the close. Hey, yes, one sounds great. Man, let's get out that paperwork in that package I sent you. Let me walk you through that so we make sure it's uh, filled out completely. And I teach them how to make their check out. And boom, I just go on to the next investor. And it's just one after another. It's just a process. It is literally it. a process to raise money. Once you get your first investor and you're like, holy cow, this actually works. <laughs> well, yeah, I've only been doing it for a long time, raising millions of dollars. You go from one to three to five. And 
eventually to 10 investors, you build your database, and then you look back after 12 months, you're like, my God, I raised $5 million this year. You know, yeah. now you can do bigger deals. Now you can graduate from single family to multifamily or to self-storage or commercial real estate. But that's how you do it, everybody. It's a process. Mm, man, I love this. Uh, look, um, in our show, we actually cover REI marketing and conversion. Mm -hmm. But yeah. in reality here, well, you have marketed to gain, gain the attention of that person. Mm -hmm. And then the conversion yeah. process is what you're talking about, right? Sure. So uh, it, it, it applies the same thing. Actually, in our agency, uh, we also must close a person and then we get referrals because we could do a really good job. Mm. But also we have a process and a roadmap on what the life, lifetime of that, of that client of us is going to be. And yeah. we can basically expand the lifetime value of our client through that continuous effect, compound effect of getting referrals and ultimately getting more money from that person in this case, right? Uh, so it, is, it applies the same principles. It's, it's, um, I'm surprised. Like, look, man, uh, Brad, I've never honestly raised capital. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm looking to obviously raise capital to have a teach of people that are actually listening to this, the few frameworks that you're using. So just for people to have a remind, uh, reminder, uh, the, the six steps to build trust, mm -hmm. uh, let, let's list them out. What are sure, those absolutely. Yep. Starts number one with perception. People are going to check you out. It's kind of like dating, right? And when I speak on stage, I laugh. I said, man, you girls are going to understand this concept a hell of a lot better than the guys do because... When that dude knocks on your door and you open it, first thing you're doing is you're checking him out. Like, does he dress good? Does he smell good? Does he drive a piece of shit car? Has he showed up and something nice? Like that's going through your mind and you're largely just deciding if there's ever going to be a second date. The investors are the same way when they meet you. Is there ever going to be a second meeting with this person? Well, if there is, then you get to step number two, which is what we call temptation. That's where you need to ask those questions. That's where you need to go deep, really go deep with people, get to know them. You got to realize when you take someone's money, you are a fiduciary. Take that role very seriously. That person's investing in you. They expect to get that money back and then some. You're not just going out and blowing it or taking a vacation or buying a car. You're creating an investment opportunity to build trust so that they continue investing with you. Once you get through that process, you start to realize, oh, there's a little bit of a connection here. We're on our second date. Now we're on our third date. They like me. I like them. And then you get to that validation phrase. That is an important thing to master because if you're just out there talking to people and you haven't invested in building that relationship, when you try to close them, they're going to be real noncommittal. It's not that they don't that's, like you. It's just that's that number they don't three. you. That's step number, number four. Then after you pitch and you send them the stuff, you close them, you get to step five. We call that they're attached. You're now married. They've given you money. And then you get to affiliation. They're now hopefully opening up their network as an affiliate, introducing you to people that could also be potential investors. So that is the sixth step, what we call trust sequence. But here's the thing. There's four steps in the process of getting investors. Introductory call, follow-up call pitch, close. Can you see how that trust sequence and that four steps go together? You see, once you understand these concepts, I got to build trust. I got to use four steps. When you're talking to a prospective investor, 
that can invest with you in your mind. You're like, okay, I know what I need to try to accomplish on this next call. So you're able to lead that discussion. You know where you're going. It's almost like a football player moving that football to the end zone. You know, you're either running or you're passing, but you're going downfield. And an expression that I absolutely love that I picked up on from uh, Grant Cardone is money follows motion. You've got to be moving that prospective investor forward in a process with you, right? And another great uh, expression he has is people won't flow you until they know you. Well, how are they going to know you just on one call, let alone two? The way to do this properly, kind of like you said, Esteban, is you got to slow down. The best thing you can do when you're trying to raise money, man, is just go slow. This ain't a sprint. It's a marathon. But if you take that approach to build that trust with people and really go deep, they'll support you all day long. You know, they'll write checks to you all day long. And it's not just about getting one check. It's about building that relationship, because usually what I found is most investors will test you. You know, you get a guy worth three million dollars. Maybe the first deal he does with you, here's 50 grand, here's 100 grand. That's play money to a dude like that. But once you prove your worth, kind of like, you know, Charlie Sheen did in the movie, basically uh, with Michael Douglas, right? The big money came out. It's like, okay, we just made some money together. I like you, dude. Here's a half million dollars on the second time I invest. And so, you know, we all know in society, you are the average of the five to seven people you spend most of your time with. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. So if you're building this network of investors, guess what? They know other rich people. I live in a country club. My neighbor's got a Lambo. So if you get me to invest, who do you think potentially I might introduce you to? You see, that's how this process works. And so it's really just understanding that you've got to be able to go out there and have conversations with people. But no, each time you're having a meeting or conversation, you're moving that person through that process with you to ultimately step forward to close, asking him to write a check. Love that. Now, what are the few key things that uh, these people that are looking to raise capital have to have ready mm-hmm. in the fulfillment process to like, okay, now I have someone, I have someone's attention. I have someone's trust. Yeah. I've built something. Do I have to have like a packet? Do I have to mm-hmm. already have the deal all put together? The What numbers do I show? Um, like what, what would be a no brainer offer for them to like invest in? Like, um, like what are those few things? It's a great question. So, you know, investors, if they're interested are going to basically come back to you and say, you know, that sounds real interesting. Do you have something you can send me that I can take a look at? Well, you should have something because if you don't, (laughs) it's not a good thing. So what does that look like? You know, typically it's a PowerPoint. Uh, We call it a pitch deck because you're pitching. You're going to go through that with them. If it's on a particular deal where you're just doing what we call a single identified project, like a multifamily property, uh, you can take a lot of the pictures and a lot of the information from the broker packet and just kind of rebrand that so that you can put that together with your logo, your brand. That might become now the presentation on that particular project. Maybe you're doing a fund, and if you're launching a fund or you're raising more money in a fund, you have the pitch deck for the fund, and you have your private placement memorandum. Typically, what we call that packet is an investor-facing packet or an investor kit. 
And, uh, you know, I believe that most entrepreneurs that want to raise money should have three things. Number one is a pitch deck. Number two is just a one page uh, investment summary sheet or a highlight sheet that just very quickly tells people who you are, what you do. And then, of course, if you're raising a lot of money, more than just a couple hundred, you should have a private placement memorandum. Now, here's the thing. The Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, technically doesn't require you to have a PPM. There's no law that says you have to have one. And so if you're just raising a small round of money, you can probably do it with an executive summary or a pitch deck. But if you're raising a decent amount of money, the reason you want a private placement memorandum is it is your basically coat of armor. It is what protects you the person raising the capital. It's your get out of jail free card because now in that private placement memorandum, you're going to disclose all the potential risks that can theoretically happen. And so, you know, as I tell people, sometimes bad things happen to good people. We go into a recession, interest rates go up, the economy turns against you, a ton of shit that can happen. You could have a flood, you could have a hurricane and it affects your property. Well, how do you avoid getting sued? You say, I told you that could happen in the memorandum. That was one of the potential risks, and you invested. So why are we having this conversation? You see, if you disclose it up front, it protects you. If you don't, it opens up a can of worms. So these are important things that people have to understand when you're raising capital. And that's why we have Capital School. It's to teach people all of what I call the do's and the don'ts. It's to teach people that whether you understand this or not, you're now in the securities business because the securities industry is a heavily rated industry and you need to know that there are certain things you can and can't do. Like for example, you can't raise money for somebody else and be paid a commission. It's against the law unless you're licensed. People do it all the time. Why? Because they just don't know. And if they get caught, it ain't a good thing. So I try to educate people. I try to add value. I go to events, not necessarily because I'm learning what that other person is trying to teach because I already know it, or poach their clients. No, I go to support the people in my industry because I know I can add so much more value. Uh, majority of your students, are they doing multifamily or are they single family? Like what, what kind of... Uh... We got them all over the place. We got people in real estate. We got people in natural resources doing oil and gas deals. We got people that are business owners, people doing e-commerce, people doing crypto. Uh, you know, we got people in 10 countries around the world today that we work with Esteban. So it's all over the map. The people that are in real estate, most of them are doing, uh, you know, commercial, single family, self-storage, something along those lines. Of course, we do have a lot of people that are also in the single family space as well. But the process that you use is exactly the same. You know, mm. and when I had uh, Shark Tank's Kevin Harrington appear at my event last year, talking about how you pitch, he said, look, when you're raising money from investors, there's one word that you really need to focus on. And he said that word is execution. Because most people that come into Shark Tank, they're good people. They're smart. We got a lot of doctors. We got a lot of professionals, entrepreneurs, highly educated. They got a great product, but they leave the tank and they haven't got a deal. Why is that? One reason and one reason only. They haven't convinced the sharks that they can execute on whatever it is they're doing. And so, you know, a lot of people that are in real estate doing fix and flips or, you know, doing the Burr method or doing subject twos, it's just like me when I got started. What are we? We're solopreneurs. 
we're making a shitload of money flipping houses, but we're just working by ourselves, right? Well, when you're talking to an investor, he's looking at you and he's like, do you have enough of an accounting infrastructure to send out tax reporting information at the end of the year? You know, do you have a legal team or an attorney to make sure you stay out of trouble? And so what I explain to people is if you're a solopreneur and you want to raise money in your discussion with an investor, talk about your team. So, you know, hey, we got a relationship with a local accounting firm. So at the end of the year, they're going to send you your tax reporting information. It's going to disclose to you your proportionate share of uh, you know, income and losses. You're going to call it a K-1. You're going to get that. And we also have Joe over here. Joe's a partner at XYZ Law Firm. He's going to make sure that we dot our I's and we cross our T's. And over here, I got a couple of advisors that have done a lot of deals like this. So what you're doing is you're showing that uh, entrepreneur, that investor, that you can execute on a strategy or a business because why? You've got a team of people. You're now adding depth to your organization. That's how I got started when I was in oil. Hell, I was 23 years old when I built my oil company. I dropped out of college. And here's the funny thing. I never drilled an oil well. I didn't know the first damn thing about drilling for oil. I didn't know the first damn thing about building a multi-million dollar business. But guess what? I knew I could find an attorney that keep me out of trouble. I knew I could hire a CPA to take care of my books and all my ledgers. I knew I could find a driller that knew how to drill. And so I built that team. Now, when I was talking to investors, it wasn't just Brad Blazer. It was me and the driller and the attorney and the CPA and the geologist. Same thing in real estate. It's all about credibility. It's about building that team. That's great. Now, um, one of the things that I would love to uh, really find out is some people may not see raising capital for certain things necessary, or mm-hmm. they'd be like, oh, I don't need that. I need, I don't, I, I can use my own money. I can use OPM. Uh, I can use my own money, my own bank account. Um, but can you walk me through like scenarios of people that have this mindset that I don't necessarily have to do this? Maybe this could be like what? Investors that are so used to like putting cash and everything, right? Yeah. Like maybe uh, more foreigner people that they pay cash. Um, so uh, well, how would we make them see and the possibilities on what things we can actually leverage sure. in real estate? I don't know. It could be an entry fee. It could be just uh, raising the entire, the entire amount of the property or, or the repairs. Like what, what are those case studies that you see that people can do with this? Well, when you raise money from other people, um, it allows you to just go further, farther, and much faster than you could on your own. You know, let's face it. If you're doing it by yourself, you're limited to your own financial capabilities. You know, maybe you do have money in the bank. Maybe you can put $50,000, $100,000 into a fix and flip. Great. You know, uh, and maybe you're making seven figures a year. The question largely is, how much wealth do you want to create? How much money can you create? Because if I can show you how to go out and raise a million dollars over the next six to 12 months, you can take that million dollars that is other people's money and now go much further, farther, and faster than you doing it alone. Why risk your own money when you can use other people's money to build your wealth? Why put your own money at risk? Put that money aside, stack it and rack it, as Bobby Castro, one of my good friends, might say. You see, that's why Robert Kiyosaki said in his book, man, using OPM as a key principle in understanding how to create 
legacy wealth. I'm talking, you know, some of the students we have in our coaching program, they've got hundreds of millions of dollars already in their real estate portfolio. We got a guy, got about 350 million, got another guy in Indiana, just talked to today, who's got a couple hundred million. And these guys come to me after being hugely successful, already building hundreds of millions of dollars in real estate. Why? Because they want to get to a billion. And they realize to get to a billion, they can't do it picking up checks for $25,000, $50,000 like they've been doing for the last 10 years. What they need is a guy like me that can teach them, this is how you get into the family office space. This is how you launch a fund. This is how you get broker dealers to raise the capital for you. See, by doing that, they get away from the doctors and the business owners that are giving twenty-five dollars and $50,000 checks. Now they're picking up five and $10 million checks. And so as the guy that's done all these things over the course of my career, we can work with newbies that are just getting started. I can work with people that really are doing it, but just want to do it better. Or I can work with people that just want to go to the very next level. So, you know, it really just is largely dictated by like, how successful do you want to be? And how much quicker would you like to get there using other people's money? Because the great thing about real estate that I just love is the leverage aspect. We can literally 5X the equity we bring to a table. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you're buying a piece of real estate for a million dollars, you don't have to come up with a million dollars. You put 20% down, that's 200. And then you borrow the other $800,000 from a lender. Boom, you're off to the races. So, you know, if you're able to raise money, number one, you can do bigger deals. Number two, you raise a million. That gives you the ability now to control five million in real estate. And so, you know, we have students that are in our program that literally we've changed their lives. We've taught them how to attract and raise capital. I got one student, Renato, dude, the guy this year's closed on three multifamily properties. And he's working on his fourth deal. Do you suggest... Huh? Do you suggest that people uh, raise entirety of the property or there should be like maybe a little bit where you, they put their own money? Like, should, the, should it be the entirety of the property? Um, you can. Um, you know, you're doing all the heavy lifting. You're the guy that's going to be the Wizard of Oz making the deal work. But, you know, a lot of investors do like to see that the entrepreneur has a little skin in the game. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to have all your money at risk, but certainly it's nice to say, hey, you know, I'm investing alongside you. I've got some skin in the game, too, uh, because investors do like to see that. Is it mandatory? No. I mean, I know a lot of guys that raise tons of money that don't put a nickel in it and everything they own and everything that they've ever done is all other people's money. It really just depends on the entrepreneur. You know, uh, I'd rather see somebody that's got some money hire a sales team invest it back in their business to grow and scale, build that infrastructure. But if you want to put it in the real estate alongside the investors, sure, you can do that too. You bet. Huge. Um, how would you shape an offer to an investor? Like you want to raise capital, but how would you shape that offer? Like I'm going to give this to the investors in a no brainer. Mm -hmm. All, what will be the best offers? So if you're doing just a single deal, for example, you're taking money from an investor and you're flipping a house. You know, I think that the investors putting up most of the capital, so they're taking the risk. Maybe you give them 60, 70 percent of the profit and you take maybe 30 or 40 on the back end because you didn't have any money in the deal. That's a pretty fair deal. Uh, if you're doing something like a fund where you're raising money in more of a fund structure, maybe you give the deal uh, or the investors uh, some type of a preferred target return. You say, look, you know, we're collecting rental income. 
We're going to pay our expenses. Hopefully at the end of every month, there's going to be some money left. And so we're going to distribute that out to you. And uh, it's our intent, hopefully, to pay a 6 or 7% uh, distribution. Uh, and then on the back end, once we sell the asset, uh, we're going to split everything with you 70-30. And so you get 70% of all the appreciation. And we take 30% as what we call the general partner for basically doing the deal, operating the property, et cetera. And so, you know, to get 30% of a deal without putting any of your money at risk, it's not a bad way to go. Now, a lot of sponsors or people raising capital will have what we call a waterfall. And they'll say something like, you know, hey, it's a 70-30 split until we get to a 12% return. Once we get to 12%, then it goes to 60-40. So we get a bigger piece of the pie for all the returns above a 12%. So there's many different formulas. Um, there's not a right way or a wrong way. But when you're out there raising money from investors, you want to get a sense of what that market is, kind of what other people are doing so that you can price your offer accordingly. You know, what I mean by that is if you're out there and you're talking to investors and you're pitching a deal that doesn't generate any income for maybe 18 to 24 months because it's a ground up development and you're building something that might be a little bit harder to pitch than a deal where you're investing in a stabilized investment that right out of the gate, man, is generating cash flow. We're buying this apartment building. Second, we take over literally the next quarter, there's money there because people live in the property and they're paying rent. So every scenario and every opportunity is a little bit different. Love it. So we cover a little bit of the conversion process. We cover a little bit of uh, fulfillment. Mm -hmm. How would you market out there and what channels do you use the marketing part of attracting people to invest with you, to raise, yeah. to, to, to get the money from them? Like what, what, what are your marketing strategies? You know, um, the great thing today is it's actually a lot easier to raise capital than it's ever been. And this goes back to 2012 with the Jobs Act. And then in 2015, when the SEC really uh, loosened many of the restrictions that were on investors, we can advertise now for investors. I mean, my God, you can go to Facebook, you can advertise on Facebook and social media and say, hey, join us next week for this free educational webinar. Or you can advertise a specific deal that you might be doing and get people to sign up for an informational webinar or just to get additional information. Now, you can advertise all you want as long as the investors are accredited investors. Um, if they're not, really, you shouldn't even fool with them. Why? Because the SEC says once you work with non-accredited investors, you have much greater disclosure requirements, but also you have to maintain the same level of accounting as a public reporting company. That means audited financials. Well, that's very expensive for a lot of business owners. So I just deal with accredited investors, but you can use social media. Another great way is go to Google. Wherever you live, look for local investor clubs. Now, I don't care if those clubs are talking about the stock market or about crypto or about something else. Just go to show up. Why? Because by definition, everybody that's in an investor club says, I'm an investor. And then mm -hmm. once they learn what you do and how you've got this investment in real estate, some of them are going to express interest. Why? Because they're smart enough to know they need to diversify. Diversification is a key. And you apply and you apply this six-step building yeah. of tr trust process. And then you just you go. Absolutely. Hey, right. you go every month to guess what? A investor club that talks about the stock market. And so you get people there talking about shit like Tesla, Amazon, Apple Computer. Great. And then they get around to you. So what do you do? I'm a big time real estate investor. I invest in real estate, but I'm also interested in the stock market. 
Really? Like what kind of real estate do you do? Oh, yeah, we do this. We're real successful. Before you know it, you've got people like asking for your business card, asking to have lunch or dinner with you just to connect and learn more about what you can offer them. And so you build that bandwidth. You know, another thing that I do is I go to Starbucks and I'll go to the Starbucks that is in the wealthiest part of town where all the Mercedes, all the Rolls Royces, all the Porsches pull up every day as those CEOs and those business owners and those rich people are going to work. Now, what I'll do is I'll go up to the cash register and I'll say, hey, here's my credit card. I'm going to be back here in the corner. When you see me wave, you tell every person that comes up here that whatever they want, compliments of the dude sitting over there. And so I go in the back and I get my little coffee and I just wave. And you see all these rich people pull up in their Mercedes and they order. It's compliments of the guy sitting over there today. And they look over there and I kind of just come over. You want to know what's going on? And so when they come up and they like, what's going on here, dude? I'm like, you know, hey, I'm a very successful real estate investor here in your community. And man, I hate it when people call me at night when I'm trying to have dinner or enjoy that free time with my family. So I thought a much greater way just to connect with you would be just to treat you to a cup of coffee on the way to work. Would you have an interest maybe in learning a little bit more about what we do? Sure. Here's my business card. I literally walk out of Starbucks with a stack of cards to the richest people in town that live within five minutes of that local Starbucks. These are the two and three million dollar mansions. And so I tell people, how'd you like to be able to walk in the front door of the richest families in town? Well, how do I do that? You go to the Starbucks where they buy their cup of coffee every day and you use this little secret. They're like, Man, brilliant. See, now, when I call them, there's a sense of reciprocity. It's like instant rapport, like, hey, is this Esteban? Hey, Esteban, this Brad Blazer. I'm the dude that bought you that cup of coffee. Oh, yeah, that was the cool. They love you. Yeah. They, they, they like, they, you know, they, they feel obligated to talk to you. And it just, What a great hook. <laughs> you know, and I wrote an article about that that's in LinkedIn on my article section, if you want to learn more about that secret. But literally, I have students that have now done this that have called me and said, God, it worked like magic. I literally walked out of there like like 50 business cards with guys that are CEOs worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And I'm like, yeah, and guess what? They like you. Why? Because all you do is you buy them a cup of coffee. You see, there's so many ways to get creative here. Like when you think outside the box and you do creative shit like that to get in front of rich people, it works, you know. I met Beyonce's dad, Matthew Knowles. He lives right here in Houston. Dude's worth hundreds of millions. He handled basically Chaka Khan, cool in the game. I just reached out to him on LinkedIn. He spoke at multiple events of mine. You know, his daughter is a billionaire, but it's all about the connections. It's adding value in people's lives. And so once you understand some of these key principles, you can build that network and you can raise literally lots and lots of money love that round of applause for that man and everyone <laughs> that is listening to this uh please make sure that you give us a review if you gotten some value out of this i'm gonna ask the last question because i'm yeah. really uh i really appreciate your time and i don't want to take too much of your time i believe that we even we even deserve a second episode in person here <laughs> in miami here in miami yeah i love to pr bring you to miami cool. and and have an in-person one but all right uh, again, uh, listeners, uh, just share this way. Um, you're going to be able to go to Capital School, capitalschool.com, right? No, it's actually um, my website, www.bradblazer.capitalschool. Mm -hmm. But, you know, go there and check out my books. I mean, I'm three-time author. I got three books. You can buy the one on 
capital raising, which is called Winning at the Capital Game. Uh, so you got a link up there that'll take you to my book section. If you want to learn more about Capital School, of course, you can go to that page and it'll take you to the website, tell you everything that's included, the online membership area with all the courses, the program, the weekly calls, the private Facebook community. Uh, we also do events. We're doing a big master class next week on Tuesday on how to get into broker dealers, how to build that distribution. So, you know, once you're in our system, uh, whether we have an email or phone number, you'll be kept abreast of everything we do, as well as our big event. We call that CapitalCon. That is where we bring celebrities, people that really have mastered their craft, like, you know, Kevin Harrington, Sharon Lecter, who was she? Well, she co-wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki, A&E reality TV star Dave Seymour from the hit reality TV show. All these people at my events to add value to teach you how to do a lot of these different things. And even on our weekly calls in Capital School, I bring a lot of these celebrities. Next week, for example, we have a securities attorney. Well, why is that important? Because you got to make sure that you know what you're doing. So we have securities right. attorneys that come on to educate and to add value. Love it. Last question. And this is huge because we are an agency and we do a yeah. lot of content. We're, we've been helping a few clients on like content in order to actually raise capital. So uh, you mentioned social media. All right. You mentioned social media. You have a great social media uh, content of being seeing your stuff, man. So how can people actually utilize social media content, which is Reels, YouTube Shorts, TikTok and everything to get attention from individuals that want mm -hmm. to get some passive income from real estate or be involved in real estate and ultimately raise money from these people? So two ways. Number one is don't be bashful about posting to social media. A lot of people are like, I don't look good. Get over it, man. I mean, you know, you see people every day like Bradley and Grant Cardone posting shit every day, man. They got cameras that follow to the bathroom. Just get over it. You know, the more content you post, the bigger the community you're going to be able to build. But be real. The second thing that posting content does is it gives you credibility. If you're rehabbing a house, photograph yourself, show the before and after, show what you were able to do. And then lastly, understand what I said earlier, money follows motion. So think about it. If you go to Facebook and you create a Facebook ad for like, you know, 10 bucks a day and you say, hey, join me next week for this free informational webinar. I'm going to talk about the many tax benefits of investing in real estate. And you have a link that people can click that signs up and register. You now have got a person's name, an email, and a, a phone number. That person's a potential investor. So now when you come on and you do your little webinar and you educate, you're now a person of interest, you're a subject matter expert, you follow up on that event next day and you say, you know, hey, thank you so much for showing up on our webinar the other day. Just wanted to reach out and thank you, but also get to know you as a potential partner. I don't use the word investor. I say potential partner. Like what attracted you to our webinar? And then I just go deep. I say, well, great. Have you ever invested in real estate before? No, I haven't. Oh, well, what interests you? Well, you know, I just sold a business. And the more you get to know, again, it uses that four-step blueprint on the back end of those events you're eventually going to get to call number four, where hopefully now the person trusts you and they invest with you. But you see, the great thing about social media and kind of what you do is you understand this. You can create a funnel. There's all kinds of things you can do with social media to get in front of investors. Because like I said earlier, we can now advertise as long as the person's accredited. So advertise all day long. Man, you'll see me on Instagram. 
You'll see me on LinkedIn. You'll see me on Facebook. You'll see me on YouTube. We got the podcast, Capital Catalyst Show. So everything we do out there, we do for a reason. It's to get the information of potential investors so that we can then market our deals to them whenever we have a deal worthy of discussion. Do you feel like there's an opportunity for you and me to potentially help your students with social media content, um, Absolutely. being able to get them into the content game? So that the, the helps yeah. with this? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. We have a lot of what I call strategic resource partners. And so when people ask, you know, hey, do I have someone that can help me with my PowerPoint? Bing, call this dude. You have someone that can help me with my social media content? Yep, bing, call this dude. So absolutely. Yeah, we'd love to have that conversation with you for sure, Esteban. Do you have a content partner? We do, but doesn't mean we can't have another. <laughs> <laughs> All yep. right. Awesome. I'd like to have uh, set that second call. <laughs> we'll have that discussion offline. You bet. Yeah, absolutely, man. Hey, thank you so so much for being here in this podcast episode. I think you brought a lot of good, good stuff. And I, I, I have a feeling that you could have continued for a long time. And that this, this would have been. <laughs> and I love that, man. That's why I want to have you in a, in a second episode and uh, obviously like shake your hand and be like, hey, we're this is so good. And and just uh, be be able to have you in person. You're in Houston. I'm going to be in Dallas um, in two weeks for a Go High Level Summit, which is like an app. Uh, like, I don't know if you know about it, but uh, it's a it's a CRM that they use in agencies and Right. Uh, I don't know if you happen to be in Dallas, but I mean, if you are, like, you might as well. We can grab uh, something. Absolutely, I've got some um, clients up there that we work with, so uh, we'll maybe see if we can kill two birds with one stone and build a trip around that event that you're going to be there for. You bet. Yeah, absolutely. So, thank you so much, Brad. Everyone that's listening to this, if you got some value, listen to this episode over and over. Uh, make some notes. Go to bradblazer.com and you're going to find everything from Brad Blazer in there, bradblazer.com slash capital school. So you find find out more about it and follow Brad, Brad Blazer in social media. It's at Brad Blazer. Is that right? That's it. Yep. On Instagram, it's just a little symbol, whatever it is, Brad Blazer. That's it. Just follow me on social media and also, of course, on Facebook as well. You bet. Follow him in Instagram. Follow him on TikTok. Are you at TikTok? Not yet. We're going to be on TikTok big time. We're launching on TikTok here next week. Mm -hmm. Huge. All right. So follow him on Instagram at Brad Blazer, Brad Blazer, yeah. uh, and on Facebook as well. And hope that you love this episode. So see you next time on the uh, RAM Marketing Conversion Series. Damn.